Thank you for joining me. My name is Pastor Rick, Senior Pastor of At The Well. Here we are again in our Strengthening Faith series, dealing with a very important subject. It's kind of like uh, one of those make it or break it kind of topics. Uh, the, the title is, Are You a Sinner? This is our part one. We will discuss uh, in the upcoming series uh, what that means to break it down in a uh, per person or daily understanding. But one thing to ask yourself is, are you a sinner? So in order to understand that, we must understand the word sinner or sin. Uh, the word sin has quite a few definitions as found in the Strong's Hebrew lexicon and even more in the Strong's Greek lexicon. It is a very complicated word, but it nevertheless can be established that it is definitely more than some misinformed people have suggested. It is more than just, quote, missing the mark, end quote. So to effectively, this is a very important word, to effectively understand the word, uh, we need to break it down uh, in three areas and three definitions. Okay, here we go. The first one, uh, sin uh, is defined as a transgression of the law, a transgression of the law. So we, we can go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Now, here we are. We're using the Amplified, and we're going to break it down. This is the, the first set of parentheses in this little verse here, and that, that reads, Lawlessness is ignoring God's law by action or neglect or by tolerating wrongdoing, being unrestrained by his commands, meaning God's commands and his will, again, referencing God. So again, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. Lawlessness goes against the law. The, the law is uh, handed down by God, okay? And so it is directly connected uh, to God and also to disobedience. And we'll do an, another series on that because that's a very important topic for the uh, spiritually maturing Christian. It's Again, it is not as simple as saying sin, we must understand where that word comes from and what it means not to me, but first to God, and then to me, how my life is directed by the understanding, not, not what I have of it, what, what, what is God's understanding? These are his words, and so th this has to be applied to my life. So um, it's the transgression of the law. Very clear and simple. Anything that goes against the, uh, the original law uh, is sin. That's what John's referencing uh, in order for the people to kind of come into order and be organized and and to live their lives according to uh, the will and the plan of God, just like you and I. We're not practicing the law. Uh, we're not promoting the law because all of that is written on our hearts once we accepted Jesus. We're just understanding where it comes from, what it's what it means, and we can go further from there. Okay, the second definition or area of recognition that we should understand is 
Uh, it's the imputed sin. Okay, so what does imputed mean? So the Greek word translated imputed means to take something that belongs to someone and then credit it to another's account. Uh, before the law of, of Moses was given, sin was not imputed to man, although men were still sinners because of their inherited sin, because of their Adamic state. They inherited sin. Uh, and so uh, the sin was not imputed to man, uh, but the law was, was given to them. And here we go. After the law was given, sins committed in violation of the law were imputed. Uh, they were accounted to them. In other words, now you know you can't use ignorance any longer. So now that sin is imputed to you. Okay. Uh, Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 13. Sin was committed in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone when there is no law against it. So, before the law was given, sin was not imputed to man. But once the law was given, once it was recognized and read by man, understood by man, that changed his position or, uh, with sin. He now knows what God wants or does not want, how to live one's life in accordance to God's expectations. And if that is not uh, recognized in an individual's life, then that sin is imputed onto him. Now, God used the principle, this specific principle of imputation, to benefit mankind when he imputed the sin of believers to the account of Jesus Christ, thank God, who paid the penalty for that sin, uh, death on the cross. So when the law was given, uh, man was now bearing the weight of his or her sin. But when Jesus died on the cross, all of mankind's sin were imputed. They were credited. They were taken by him for man. So now we have the uh, third uh, type of sin, and that is personal, uh, an understanding of personal sin. So that, and I'll define that, that which is uh, committed every day by, by a human being. Um, because we've inherited a sin from the Adamic sin, uh, the, or the condition, we should say, from Adam. We commit individual personal sin, uh, sins, everything from seemingly innocent untruths uh, to something extremely complex like murder. Those who've not placed their faith in Jesus Christ must pay the penalty for these personal sins. Okay, so if a person rejects Jesus, then he or she will pay the penalty for those sins. Uh, Jesus has to be recognized, has to be accepted as Lord and Savior in order for those sins that they've committed to be imputed or recognized unto Jesus, and then that would uh, relieve them, re, uh, release them from the binds of that sin. So 
those who have not placed their faith in Jesus are walking a very, very dangerous and eternal line with their, with their pride. Uh, so now we can choose whether or not to commit personal sins because we have the power to resist sin through the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, sanctifying us, convicting us of our sins when we, when we do commit them. Very important uh, concept, uh, concept of uh, uh, convicting. So one, one, uh, once one is convicted of a sin, then they change the course of their life by uh, repenting, and we'll talk briefly about that. But they repent, and that part of repentance changes their direction in life, and so they no longer uh, walk that walk, a uh, previous walk, but that walk, that new walk, is a sanctifying walk. It's a holy walk of continual uh, change. Uh, it's not a perfect walk, and, and the Bible doesn't teach that. But the Bible teaches, the Word of God teaches, that we must recognize the need uh, for repentance, and, and again, we'll talk about that, but we must need, realize that what we did was wrong. What we did uh, does not, uh, how do I say this? It, it's, it's not God's way, we're, we're, what we're doing. And so we, we must take the responsibility of that and then change our action with this, this sanctifying walk, and only that walk will prove if we have truly repented. We, we reference uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 9 through 11. Again, I'll be uh, reading this out of the Amplified Bible. However, you are not living in the flesh, controlled by the sinful nature, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God lives in you, directing and guiding you, and that is change. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him and is not a child of God. So if you have not repented and, and you are void of the Spirit of God, uh, you are not a child of God, regardless of what you say you are. So in other words, uh, we have to come into agreement not with ourselves, but with God. It's God first. We put aside self-righteousness and pride and recognize the purity, the holiness, and divinity of God. Setting ourselves aside is one of the biggest uh, trials and one of the biggest challenges that humanity has because it's all about us. It's all about me. We have that me mentality, and we the, the Word of God is teaching us, look, no, put aside. It's not about you. It's, it's actually not about you at all. It is about Jesus, a Christ, on the cross, making a way where we did not have a way. We didn't have a direction to go. And so that sin was our inevitable downfall, as it were. But God made a way by, uh, by imputing all of your sins onto the shoulders of Jesus Christ. I'll continue reading here. Uh, verse number 10, if Christ lives in you, though your natural body is dead because of sin, your spirit is alive because of righteousness, which he provides. And he provides that righteousness to you uh, because of the death and resurrection 
the spilt blood of Jesus, what, what, what work was done at the cross, the redemptive work, redeeming you, purchasing you, making an effort where everything else had given up, but God never gave up on you, which is why he used his son. He sent his son, Jesus, in order to uh, receive those sins and then make a way of repentance should you need to repent uh, in the future. In verse 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Very important word, and I always say it's the biggest, littlest word in the Bible, and it is if. The, right there in verse 11, it starts off, and if the spirit of God, uh, spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, if. So it's not a matter of what you say. It's a matter of what's in your heart as a vessel. It's the vessel. Has the vessel been filled up with pride and righteousness and is it is expelling words of faith uh, and Christian Christianese and Christian lingos? Uh, but it, if, if Christ truly lives in you, then your sin, uh, your sins will be forgiven, and resurrection is the next step for you and for I. Once we confess our personal sins to God and ask forgiveness for them, we are restored. This is beautiful because we are restored to perfect fellowship and communion with him. First John chapter 1. Uh, verse 9. If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us continually from all unrighteousness, our wrongdoing, everything not in conformity with his will and with his purpose. Very important thing to recognize. There's that little word again. If we truly admit that we have sinned, if you have to come to a point to, and recognize that you have sinned, and we have to see that wrongdoing in a, a different light, we have to agree, come to a, a momentary agreement, and we say, I. I did something that is against God, uh, and so I need forgiveness. In order to come to that point, we have to see that thing as in being inherently evil or wrong. Uh, and, and so when we come to that point, which is the hardest part, like as I, as I mentioned, for mankind to come to, because there's pride, um, there's protection, uh, there's uh, uh, fear, all of these things come into play. Uh, including uh, losing face in front of people, and then all of a sudden we bring mankind into our spiritual relationship with God. Uh, but I need to come into agreement. Nobody's going to force you, because that's why the Word says if we freely admit that we have done something against God, then He will forgive us. If we don't, if we're forced, uh, if we're uh, guilted into this, and let's say we're guilted by man and not by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, this is still uh, an open-ended uh, question, so to speak. It's an unresolved uh, spiritual issue, and th that's the problem with organized religions, 
is that they take away the intimacy that uh, the blood of Jesus has given you, uh, you yourself, in that throne room. You can now go to that throne room. You can enter the Holy of Holies without a middleman, uh, and, and you can repent your, uh, by yourself or, and, or, or others, but you can repent and you can watch that sin and know that that sin has been dealt with by the blood of Jesus. Um, but, but again, if we freely, no one's going to force you, you need to enter into that, uh, that relationship, into that place of repentance uh, for God or with God and understand that it's you and him, not you and someone else and him. Now, now that we understand the categories of sin, we can then discuss the process of being forgiven. God will forgive me. Hmm. Not necessarily. Well, don't get too confident. Yeah, we, 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 religion has a tendency to abuse that without an explanation. God forgives all. Well, yes, he does. But we just read, uh, if we freely admit. So if we don't freely admit, God won't forgive you because you haven't freely brought that to the Lord. You were either forced uh, by God or whatever the case may be. So let's understand uh, the three kind of areas, uh, again, that we need to look at. The, the first thing is, as we're dealing with sin, uh, is hidden sin. Uh, can I hide a sin? Yes. Just don't take it before God. Uh, kind of think you brush it into your past. If we sin against another person without their knowledge, but repent before the Lord in private, that sin is forgiven and not considered unrepentant. So we look at 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 19. If we, again, if we freely admit that we have sinned, we must freely admit that in order to do that. That's a powerful move because men, mankind does not want to admit, admit that he or she is wrong. And so while that sin is hidden, it is not forgiven. Uh, and as, if it's not dealt with, uh, it is not uh, forgiven. Uh, the second is unrepentant sin. This is a very wide, uh, wide uh, description, but an unrepentant person knows that he or she has sinned and refuses to ask God for forgiveness or turn away from the sin. Uh, the unrepentant uh, person uh, doesn't show any remorse for their wrongdoing, and they don't feel they need to change. So we have to stop right there and say, okay, one of the one of the major pillars of repentance is change. You're repenting because you're changing the course of your your direction by repenting. If you are not repentant, then you are unrepentant, and your sin remains there. And as we read in First John uh, one one nineteen, if we freely admit. If we freely admit, we must freely come into that place, into that place of repentance with the Lord. Unrepentance is a is the sin of willfully remaining sinful. Uh, because even if you're unrepentant, you might say something like, "Well, hey, it wasn't me. Yeah, that's their problem." In, in that mindset, uh, th that's the enemy speaking, saying, "Well, if you won't." Don't take the. You don't need to take this to the Lord. Well, you don't need to ask a, a God for uh, uh, to forgive you. And so, if you're kept in that state, then you are living uh, in a state of disobedience to God. Uh, and this is a perpetual disobedience to God. 
as long as you're listening to the enemy on uh, you, you know that's saying you don't need to deal with this you're not you're not wrong you didn't you didn't do anything wrong you didn't say anything wrong uh, you didn't think anything wrong or or the like uh, then you are kept in a state of disobedience never dealing with what god wants you to deal with even though the holy spirit brings you conviction you've just brush that under the carpet as many christians do and they live this uh, perpetual life of being offended and hurt going from church to church and spreading their infection uh into the body of christ okay so now let's deal with repentance okay so it repentance in itself so the definition of repentance is a change of mind that results in a change of action okay so if your mind has been changed because you've done something and you're dealing with it, but there is no change in action, then we go back, we just spoke, you're unrepentant. But if you have uh, a change of mind, a perspective, if you're looking at what you did, dealing, dissecting with what you did, and, and there's a result, I'm never doing that again. I'm, I refuse to say that again. I will never get that angry again. I will never, then you have changed the course of your direction. There is a, uh, an action coming from it. So repentance leads to life, and it is a necessary part of salvation. Uh, it, it is necessary. You cannot be uh, saved uh, com uh, correctly, uh, biblically, without repenting. Uh, you it, otherwise you're telling me you've lived a perfect life you've never offended anyone you've never uh lived a lustful life uh you've never overdone it uh and you you're just perfect then uh, the only person that i know that was perfect that walked this planet his first name is jesus uh, so if but if that's you then I, I guess i lost you somewhere but uh repentance leads to a fullness of a spiritual life and it's necessary it's a necessary part of salvation so we we read that in acts chapter 11 verse 18 when they heard this they quieted down and glorified and praised god saying then god has also granted to the gentiles repentance that leads to eternal life that is real life after earthly death so repentance is connected to salvation and cannot be separated. You cannot say you are saved if you have never repented. Again, definition I already told you. You 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 lived a perfect life, a sinless life, and that is unscriptural. God commands everyone to repent and have faith in Jesus Christ. We read that in Acts Acts chapter two verse thirty eight, and Peter said to them. Here's the first word out of, out of Peter's mouth, out of the Holy Spirit's direction, authoring, repent. And the Amplified says in parentheses, change your old way of thinking. So that is, that's the mindset, okay? That, that's basically the definition of a mindset, uh, being unable to get out of a place because you're comfortable in that place, you're comfortable in that thought or perspective, and it doesn't need changing. Well, then that's not part of repentance. But he's saying, repent, change your old way of thinking. Now that that's a, a mental thing. Now he says, turn from your sinful ways. That's action. Accept and follow Jesus, 
as the Messiah. So you, the acceptance of Jesus uh, requires that you live a different, you turn in a different direction, uh, and you live your life completely different, uh, differently. And then there's a, a requirement of, and be baptized. Uh, so, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, because of the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk. We'll talk more about that in in our uh, next series of part two of this of this topic. But I want to end with this: Acts chapter seventeen, verse thirty. Therefore, God overlooked and disregarded the former ages of ignorance, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent, change their old way of thinking, regret their past sins, and to seek God's purpose for their lives. Ah, there's a, a repentance, a, a, and, and repenting from sin requires a directional change. Kind of, I'm, I'm sorry, it says here, regret your past sins. And, and that basically means, you, you know, you, you have to feel convicted uh, in order to regret. If the Holy Spirit is ignored and you're ignoring that conviction, then you're not regretting anything. But when he brings you that uh, special uh, understanding and conviction, you are regretting your past sins and very, very important. And you seek God's purpose for your life. It doesn't end there. Understanding sin is the beginning of of your faith, uh, your faith being strengthened and increased. And all of this is to seek God's purpose for your life. My name is Pastor Rick. Thank you for joining me. <music>